Hello everybody and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. Um, we are today at the home of Crucial Effects in London and their origin experience. It's the first time in a couple of years that we've taken the podcast studio back on the road. We've, uh, we've been doing our podcast remotely via the joy of the internet and laptops, but uh, I'm delighted to say that thanks to an invitation from Crucial Effects, we've been able to uh, bring our microphones and our bits of equipment down to London today and set up. So thanks very much to the guys at Crucial Effects and to their Origin Experience. If you want to check out uh, Origin Experience on Twitter, I think it's at Origin underscore London. So uh, yeah, thank you to those guys. And on with today's show and uh, an introduction to our guests. Um, joining the show today is David Tunnicliffe. David is the Commercial Director at GL Events. And sitting alongside David is Alistair Turner, Managing Director of 8PR. Gentlemen, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thanks, James. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Good Event Guide. This was launched in January this year. It was produced by GL Events and uh, the chaps have joined us today to tell a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about the guide, what it is, why it's been put together. So, David, first of all, to you, um, what is it? What is the Good Event Guide, and why has it been put together? So, why it's been put together is um, GLS is a big player in the events industry. You know, we're a, we're a billion euro turnover company. Part of our responsibility as a player of that size within this industry is to spread the goodwill to offer some advice to to share things that we know with the industry generally and I think the, the good the good event guide is is part of our program to do that it's to play it's to be um, the community it's to be part of the community of events you mm-hmm. know and I think when you when you've got a, a, a structure the size that we are there's a certain responsibility that, that, that falls with that it's not just about a commercial strength it's about being um, giving something back to the industry that of course will pay dividends later on and then people go what goes around comes around as they say and I I remember I'm going to go back seven years now I remember when we first started these podcasts and I was talking to people for event industry news um, about the London Olympics um, and we were looking at the sustainability, the longevity, you know, the, the, the long-term benefits that it would it would provide, not just to the industry, but for, for all sorts of uh, different you know, sporting aspects. Um, and, and, I, and I'm um, I'm curious and, and, and interested that seven years down the line, we really have reached a stage, I think, where UK suppliers, particularly, are revered within the global events industry, and and launching guides and, and, and products like this is good for the industry as a whole, isn't it? Think, not just for companies. I think it's safe the, company. the UK leads the way in this. I mean, the, the Olympics in 2012 was the first time I can remember that sustainability or community involvement, mental health was involved within the tender process to win work at a major event. I might be wrong, but I think, to my, to my not, I've been doing the job 20 years, but I can't remember seeing that before. And now that's quite commonplace. We've just delivered... Uh, uh, quite a major event in Glasgow, European Championships, and mm-hmm. part of the tender process to win that was what are we doing for the community of Glasgow? What are we doing for sustainability? That was part of our pitch. Was fact, it, it was a, it was to be tender compliant. We had to put something forward. To be frank, so yeah, certainly it's been taken a lot more seriously in the UK than I think anywhere else, and certainly even more so, it's becoming it's becoming more popular with smaller events, not just major events. Absolutely. And, and Alistair, the subject of sustainability within the events industry um, covers many different aspects. People will naturally gravitate 
to definitions of sustainability when it comes to recycling things on an event site, of how to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, Single-use plastic is a big one at the moment. But um, sustainability doesn't just reference things like that, does it? There's a wider sustainability sustainability. Uh, issue that the events industry is very much looking at at the moment. Yeah, I think one of the things that we wanted to do when we put together the guide was almost to try and produce, we've called it a smorgasbord of different influences and interests and things and stats and opinions, frankly, which kind of reflects that. This, this, I think you're absolutely right. There are so many things that sit under green or sustainable or CSR or wastage and, and, and it's only grown. So I guess what the guide was trying to do is trying to create a safe place where people could kind of dive into something, pick up any page of it, scan through any section of it and find something that would help them have a slightly better, slightly what we're calling good, slightly gooder event uh, than (laughs) perhaps they would have had before. Um, And I think that's where the guide tries to fit in with kind of the tone of the industry around yeah, it. It's not really about, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's not about recycling, it is about mental health, it is about community involvement. So I think the guide, the purpose of the guide is, is almost to put forward a view on a culture, on a regime, rather than specific. So we're not saying use biodiesel for every event you do. We're not saying, you know, you should consider using this or that. What we're saying is that we think it has to start with baby steps, and it has to start with a culture and regime of the, of the suppliers and that, or all of them, in fact, the end user, but ultimately it's the suppliers that uh, have the power, I think, to, to influence it more. Quite early on in the guide, there is a quote, uh, and I'll read it aloud here. Going green doesn't start with doing acts. It starts with a shift in consciousness. And that shift in consciousness, as I see it, has come and been driven by the consumer, not just in, in, in consumers who are attending events, but consumers as a whole seem to become more socially aware of sustainability and of, and of uh, sustainable uh, impact uh, that events can have. And would you say that the events industry and suppliers in the events industry are reacting really to a, a shift in consciousness by consumers and, and adopting well, better policies as a result? Consumers make up the employees of the suppliers. So, you know... I am a consumer of events, I'm also a supplier of events, so if I have a strong passion about a specific element, clearly that I would hope that as a valued employee of any company, your mm-hmm. view would be taken. So it's, it's hand in hand. I mean, what the, the challenge is for, I suppose, suppliers is there's, there are sometimes financial implications on the early baby steps of, of trying to be green, mm-hmm. and ultimately the suppliers haven't got oodles of money to fund that. So that cost has to be shared across the industries and ultimately that will fall down to the consumers paying more for their ticket. So you know, if you're going to be funny about, if you're going to be have an opinion about um, being good and being green, you have to hand in hand have that commercial awareness to how is that being funded and who's it actually affecting financially. And I think that's why this is a baby step, that's why we're just saying at the moment culture has to change first, it doesn't cost anything to change a culture, it doesn't cost anything to change an approach, let's get that also all on the same page and then the, the structure of how that's going to be funded, how you know, biodiesels are going to be, for example, to pick one, uh, are going to be more efficient and more, you know, the fuel is going to be easier readable. Though second, you've got to get everyone wanting to use that product first before you try and tell everyone how to use it. Yeah. I, I also think, just, just as someone that, that works a lot within the industry, is that I think there are many industries that follow green, but I think what I would say, I'm, I'm very proud of our industry because it leads on green, and especially if you look at the festival market, mm. and within the guide, we've got these brilliant examples of people that have grabbed 
you know, good subjects, whether it be, you know, uh, turning a festival vegan, whether it be, um, you know, powerful thinking and the work being going on over there, a greener festival, the work being going on over there, that are actually leading consumers as well as following them. So I think that's a really, really powerful message that we try and work into that as well. Do you well. have to be careful, though, to balance that so that you're not seen to be forcing uh, things onto consumers. Just, just going to say that. When, when, when it comes to sort of going vegan as a festival, fantastic if, if your audience is okay with that. But what you don't want to be doing as an industry is forcing stuff down. You still want to retain that element yeah. of choice. But I like I like the I like the challenge though as well. I mean, if the, if you take what a good event is, which is a community, uh, you know, a, 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 a central uh, get together of mm-hmm. a wider community, and sometimes the event has to challenge that community and, and, and reflect or, or reflect its existing opinions as well and I think what where I like that quote is it's about the intention it's about the culture change it's about the effect on it and I think most consumers will embrace that if they understand the intention to it and I think a good event is one that understands that I think when when uh, CSR is given a bad reputation it's because it's something that's crowbarred in at the end Mm. for a PR or marketing reason People don't like that, and a modern-day audience will see through that. When it starts at the beginning, it has a much more powerful powerful impact, and I think it reads better. And that's why we like that quote at the beginning. It's about the intention at the beginning. Sure. And has there been, I mean, within GL Events as an organisation, David, has there been a shift, a genuine shift in, in thinking that's prompted then the, the generation of a guide like this? Because anybody who reads this within five minutes will, will realise this is not a document that's just been put together to promote GL Events. This is something that's accessible to everybody at any level within the industry. Yeah, no, it, it definitely wasn't put together to promote gel events particularly it's it's been put together uh, because we wanted to because we wanted to give as i said at the beginning it's about us giving something back to the industry um we spent a lot of time a lot of people did a lot of research to find any information that's in there so it, no it's, it's, there's no financial gain for us to to do this as such mm-hmm. so there's, that's not why we've done it is, is there a cult change within gl to answer your original question i'd hope so but it is you know it's one of those things where it's we are very seasonal so when you're very busy sometimes you've got to you've got to really think about the, the good angle this is what goes back to my point it's got to be in the culture it's got to be in the DNA of a business you know, everyone in that business has to buy into it and then it doesn't become something you have to think about it it's just part of the planning process of the project mm. and are we there yet? no we're not but are we working our way towards that? yes we are I think so. Dave's been very, very humble about GL Event. I mean, GL Events recently won a major events international award for sustainability. But actually, what what I find is, and I don't think you'll mind me saying, is that GL Events is, was just doing what it was doing, and then started getting awards, and then started getting recognition, and actually sort of saw it as a well. Actually, it's something that we're we're, we're being you know getting some very very nice industry lordship from. So actually, why don't we try and push the push the pedal down on this one and, and, and share some of the things we're doing um, quite openly and quite um, humbly uh, to the industry as well. So actually it's been quite interesting how it didn't start with a bunch of marketing people saying how can we mm-hmm. make ourselves look good by talking about sustainability. It started with a load of customers saying actually you guys are doing some interesting things. Sure. Uh, the, the, the guide itself, um, there does seem to be a, 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 a prevalence of, uh, of festivals and mentions of those types of outdoor events. Um, are these, for want of a better phrase, the biggest culprits or the, or the, or the, the, the types of events that, that perhaps most need to look at how they're uh, you know, adopting yeah. sustainable approaches? I think in sheer footfall, 
you know, you look at the, the, the total audience that go to festivals compared to the total audience that go to horse race meetings, I would think, and I don't know, that festivals have got it doubled. Mm-hmm. So yes, the, the corporates is, as you said, probably the wrong word, but yeah, they're the ones that uh, can make more of a change, I would suggest. Mm. Um, sustainability is not just about adjusting uh, things like CO2 emissions or monitoring your, your power. Sustainability also referenced now in the events industry how we're uh, looking after our staff and the people who are working within the industry, the people itself. and, and I think it's fair to say that um, you know when you look back to sort of the you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, the the attitudes that we have now towards staff and the people who work and manage this industry has changed significantly, hasn't it? And there's there is a bigger approach to well-being, a more holistic yeah. view of people working in what is a very stressful industry. Yeah, and the, the, the simple things you can do there, monitor the hours you're asking your, your crew to work. I mean, just recently we've just done that this this year. Um, we have really been very strict with ourselves about how many hours we're asking our teams to work. Um, uh, that's a, a small step, but it's something we've actively done this year and we've made it a pretty much hard, fast rule now, mm-hmm. the hours our teams can work. So you, you can do simple things like that, it's a good place to start. Uh, and that must be a significant challenge though, because the, the very nature of your business is, is delivering structures in relatively short periods of time for temporary events so you are under time pressures mm-hmm. um, by not allowing them to work as many hours as they did before presumably that has a cost implication to you which you referenced earlier so that there are sort of certain financial challenges I suppose that you have to adopt it if you want to go down this route it go, it, yes but again you can generally offset all that with just a better approach with planning mm-hmm. you can if you can plan the infrastructure delivery uh, with again that culture in mind that you're not going to ask blokes to work 50, 60 days on the trot, 12 hours a day, which people do do in our industry, then you just plan it differently. And the commercial angle actually has quite a minimum impact. It's you, yes, you've got to work with your end client on the program to make sure that you know the, the, the end client isn't putting unreasonable demands on your people and you're letting them do that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no, you just plan it out, you get in advance and plan it out. And, and uh, I suppose, Alistair, maybe when we look at other suppliers outside of GL events, GL will be working with many other suppliers and perhaps have their own subcontractors as well that they're bringing in to help deliver certain elements. Is it, is it important that, uh, that the suppliers are, I suppose, vetted, again, for want of a better phrase, to make sure that they're adopting similar approaches to this sustainability? Well, as, as GL events are a future supporter of NOAA, <clears throat> which is the National Outdoor Events Association, which has a vested interest in the professionalisation and I guess the long-term standards of the industry and it's something that the two organisations are working very, very closely and, and, and I think what that is about is making sure that sustainability means that we have a professional industry going forward and not, 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 not one that's fly-by-night or edgy or something like that. I think what's interesting is this idea of, you know, I think David just touched on this, with kind of what Wellness 2.0 looks like which isn't just about sustainability, green, plastics, waste, food, things like that, but actually it's about making sure that we're doing good things for people, both in our teams, outside of our teams. And I think a lot of that's pushed by the corporate world as well. So the, 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 the guys that pay the fees and the, the, the guys that spend the money on these major events or sponsor them want to see professional businesses acting professionally. What they don't want to see is fly-by-night businesses acting on a whim, 
forcing their people into you know early retirements and all sorts of mental health issues that does not represent a sustainable industry and i think you know again good for people like gl events and and, and there's plenty of others out there that actually are holding their standards very very close and actually doing well with those that, that corporate market from it it's interesting to, to reference a statistic that's that's quoted within the guide itself david um as part of the uh, research that went into the guide, uh, GL Events conducted uh, a survey over a six-week yes. period of uh, event professionals, and 75% of all the respondents believe that the subject of sustainable events and the quality of uh, CSR practice will continue to rise in importance over the next 12 months. So we're not talking about long-term shifts in attitude. Uh, according to the industry and according to this survey, this is something that people will believe will, will happen very, very quickly and continue to rise over a short period of time. Yeah, the maybe an element of that which is um, fashionable which is just why it's peaked a little bit but mm-hmm. underlining that fashion to do, want to do that I think there is a genuine um, desire from the industry whole to move towards more sustainable projects mm-hmm. and uh, Alistair you, you work in, in the in the PR industry um, how carefully balanced do uh, suppliers and organisers have to be when changing and moving down this sustainability route um, in terms of making sure that people don't just perceive it as a, as a PR stunt, you know, because there is that risk, isn't there? Uh, yeah, no, there, there absolutely is. And there's a brilliant phrase that I had a, actually another PR guy say the other day. Is, um, he used the, uh, the, 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 the signal, um, uh, d- don't tell them you're funny, tell them a joke. And I think it's the same with sustainability. What you don't do is you tell them how sustainable you are. You be a sustainable business or you be a good business. Mm-hmm. And I think the power, from, you know, from my point of view, from a marketing or PR perception, reputational point of view, is in what you do, first and foremost. PR to me is the, is the, um, the result of what you do, what you say and other people say about you. So it has to be at the heart. I think on one of these occasions, it's the, the PR guy comes last. You know, he, he kind of picks that up at the end. And what you can't do is fudge a modern audience. Mm-hmm. You can't tell someone you're something you're not and expect to get away with sitting in journalism, power of information, things like that. This is really, really important. So, you know, all those guys, and then there's plenty of them out there that, that, that just painted their logo green one day. <laughs> they're not the ones that are going to sustain it. I think it's people that are actually genuinely taking an ethical and cultural step towards this. Going back to the subject of the people who work uh, in the events industry uh, and and looking at that as a sustainable element, um, there was a risk potentially in the past of of, of burnout quite quickly of people who are working hands-on within the industry. You know, the the physical demands, the mental demands, the travelling that's involved, um, the time on site, the pressure of builds. Um, There is that risk of burnout. So when we look at the word sustainable and actually sustaining our workforce over a prolonged period of time, there will inevitably be generational shifts where older people retire from the industry um, and younger people come in. And I've been speaking to people recently on this this podcast actually about the idea that um, uh, that the younger generation that are coming into the industry have a completely different approach to the people who are retiring from the industry. And we need to be aware of that and make sure that we, we're actually giving them an industry that is, is conducive to their values and, and the education that they're coming in with. Mm. It's a question in there somewhere. <laughs> and I guess it refers back to there was a piece on Event Industry News recently that um, that was launched called The Unpopular Opinion. Um, and it, it was an opportunity for people to perhaps put forward an opinion that 
maybe was the elephant in the room or they didn't think was shared by other people in the industry. And, and somebody wrote about how they, they, they felt that we do need to shift as an industry in order to make sure that we're providing a welcome environment for, for people coming into it. I would say I'm not seeing um, a lack of enthusiasm or, or willingness to hard work between the, the, the younger people coming to the street and the old people leaving. That, I don't see that. I do um, perhaps think that some of the people, I mean the industry, I don't know how old you'd class an industry to be, but I've been in the industry 20 years and certainly there was no, or 25 years, there was no uh, event management course at university when I started 25 years ago. Um, so that's a change for the good, we've now got some prof a professional sort of academia coming into the industry, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think the older generation, I don't like to use the word older generation, but certainly the people that have been in the industry for 30, 40 years, probably started off as a hands-on, they probably started off as a sound engineer or a techie or roadie or that's or that's how they got and then they sort of developed their career as the industry grew, they then became the manager of that area, then they owned a business and then all of a sudden they're now the MD of the company. So they've always had a different work culture perhaps because they came into it at a very grassroots level and I suppose there's no elephant in the room but what I would say is what I do find with some of the people that are straight out of university or come into the industry very young is they're expecting to get to another level very quickly without actually doing perhaps some of the groundwork that has been done by people previously. Absolutely. I, I would add, I mean, one of, one of the things that, that we see just from a marketing perspective is it's values first. So I don't think anyone's, you know, I, I wouldn't differentiate a millennial or centennial generation away from any other one that's gone before between both their attitudes to work and their ability to go in there. I guess it's the reason, it's the purpose and the why that they go into it. So, and I think this will really hit home, I think, in, in events to come, because what we'll see is someone turn around and saying, well, I'm not going to just knock out my corporate values onto that unless I believe in them. I'm not going to produce an event that is sustainable or isn't sustainable when I am. And I think there's a, there's a shift where I think the stat is that there's more, you're more likely to move uh, your job as a millennial because of the values of the company as opposed to the pay. So you'll actually take the pay cut if the values are better. And we have to understand that that's the shift in the people that essentially finance events when they come in. And I think that's an interesting thing. Going back directly to the actual guide itself, um, one of the really positive things that I noticed in there was that the, the, the volume of uh, different contributors uh, from all yeah. sorts of different companies that have, that have put together articles, comment pieces, uh, tips, advice there there really is a broad range of people who've contributed to this um, how, how are they sourced and is this something that is going to continue to evolve you know now that it's published will it be that forever or is there a, a desire to see this grow and, and add more content to it we've been really interested that since we started being a bit more public talking about sustainability and I guess it come, came, came from the surveys of what we know and, and, and mm -hmm. the award people were coming to us <laughs> and sharing their stories. And I guess we've always been slightly cautious about trying to be too much an authority on something without actually hearing those other stories. So it's been really refreshing where people like, you know, the B Corporation came to us and said, look, you know, we want to talk to you about this. And we said, well, it's, it's funny, we're putting together this, this good events guide. You know, people like uh, Nick Morgan from We Are The Fair, you know, talking about consumers, yep. trends and things like that. We found that they kind of gravitated to us. I guess where it sort of evolved from that we're still sort of quite early out and we're quite interested to hear what people have to say about what we've said. Um, we've given some really, really good examples. I guess the early signs are there's quite a lot of engagement into it. I think people want to... I think the way it's laid out is, is quite welcoming to a new event organiser as well as an old one. So I guess if it continues to get traction, then we'll, we'll work with them to, to produce another one alongside the industry. Mm. And... Um, the, uh, 
It was launched in January. What's the, the initial feedback been like? You know, have, have you had people coming to you so far saying, look, I've read this, it's a valuable tool, I'm, I'm going to be using it. How, how, uh, how much feedback have you had on it so the, far? The, the, the great thing is, and it's, it's kind of humbling as well, is that everyone's got a better story than the one you just told them. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so someone, you, you put out some facts or some great stats or some case studies and someone said, hang on, I did that last week or I did that last year or actually I'm going to do that tomorrow. So actually what we probably do about two seconds after launching it is produce an entirely new one with you know, a million new stories and things like that. And I guess that's been really nice. But, uh, and I guess you know, whilst this was never done uh, to, to, uh, as, a, as a, an active sort of marketing tool for GL events, the upshot of producing something like this that has got a lot of different contributors from a lot of different backgrounds with the industry is that it is opening up conversations between your company, David, and other suppliers and other organisers with the industry. And yeah. the more conversations that we have, the better this is going to be going to be looked upon. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a communication tool, so it does lead to having communication with people that perhaps you wouldn't have before. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice byproduct of producing things like this. Certainly is, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, this is not. Uh, I'm going to go back in time a little bit here, but this is not the first first time you've done uh, something like this is there that there was there, there, are, uh, there was another guide published I think um, I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago Ali uh, yeah it's, it's last year we did a, a, a guide to, essentially a guide to organising events mm -hmm. and again it, it came off of, of the work that we're doing with, with Noah but also our sort of desire to, to, to try and lead on conversations in the market and what we're finding is the, 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 the sheer amount of young event organisers who had a great idea but didn't have an event to support it, kind of going in there. And what we wanted to do with that one was almost make it a naively simple extraction of tips and advice to go away and do it from young people who had done their first or second event mm. um, and had sort of suffered the hardships of going into an event organising. It, it came of off the moment. back of a NOAA conference, if I remember correctly. Yeah. We, we were really enthused and inspired of the two words that come to mind by, and I can't remember who the, the couple of people were that were quite young. They went in to organise a festival with absolutely no experience of delivering a festival at all. <laughs> they had another, but they, they pulled it off. They made no money the first year. I think they broke even the second year. And they're mm. looking to do a third year now where they'll probably make some money. And they, um, they, it was just, we sat there and thought, God, how much knowledge have we got as an industry that we could just simply put on a piece of paper and say, look at that. <laughs> if you'd have known that before you started, would you have done it for starters? But also, you know, look at what you can learn. So I think from memory, that's how we came across with the first idea. We, I sat on the stage and was just at all with these people that just said, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah with no experience whatsoever. And I guess bringing it right back to what we're talking about today, which, which is this, this good events guide, then this is not just about offering advice to people who want to maybe change their approach and, and shift how they've done things for a long time. This is also very, very applicable to those first-time organisers, mm. people who are just stepping industry with a great idea. Yeah. This is a great starting point for them to be able to do things right from day one. Yeah, on a, on a green level, certainly, on a, on a good level, yeah. It, that's, I think that's why it follows on so well from the one we did the first time. And I think both these, both the ones we've currently delivered are still baby steps again, they're still infancy. It's as an industry, you know, we probably don't do as much of this as we should. Um, and GL's very happy, I think, to, to be the people that are leading, delivering this kind of open, free information to anybody who wants it at no cost. Mm -hmm. it's I, think, a, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, and, and I think it's also just one of the things I think it's important that alludes to that is this idea of reframing what good means. 
I mean, I, I think it's not too long ago that you could say, I did a really, really good event, but it wasn't a sustainable one or it wasn't a good... Well, you can't say that anymore. A good event is actually one that is conscious, that has a legacy, that does positive things for the environment and things like that. Mm-hmm. So th- there is the, the good event in, in terms of the, the halo effect and the good intentions. But also the fact is that you can't now do events that aren't... Um, that don't have a sustainable CSR or green edge to them because otherwise it just isn't a good event. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've been talking on the podcast today to David Tunnicliffe, who's the commercial director at GL Events, and to Alistair Turner, managing director of 8PR, about the Good Event Guide, which is available uh, via the GL Events website, glevents.co.uk. If you go to their homepage and scroll down to the bottom, there is a, a clear link uh, to their latest news, and you can hop onto there, download the event, uh, the, the guide itself. Um, it's a digital document, um, so you can access it anywhere and everywhere via a little device that sits in your pocket all the time so there's no excuse for any of our podcast listeners to not go out there and have a look at it straight away and see what they can learn from it guys thanks very much for joining the podcast today and to talk to us about it Um, just a reminder as I said at the top of the episode um, we've taken the podcast back on the road I've been you know let out of the office and we're down in London at the moment at the home of crucial effects in London and their origin experience if you want to find out a little bit more about uh, what those guys are doing um, I think on Twitter Twitter is at uh, origin underscore London. Um, we should give a big shout out to them and a thank you for hosting us today and providing our temporary studio environment for the podcast to be back on the road. Thanks very much for tuning into the podcast and we'll see you on the next edition.